Welcome to Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports with your host, Rob Elwood. Join us as we open the door and take an unforgettable journey to unlock the full power of sports on and off the field. Listen to personal stories and reflections from incredible leaders who are sure to move and inspire you. So listen and enjoy another episode of Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports. Well, the goal is to, you know, the 300 teams in the country, the goal is to just, you know, get to Omaha. That, that's, that's already a win-win. That's already a win for the university, for the fans, you know, for, for your family and friends. It's just, just to be, just to be in Omaha. So after we won that Super Regional in Coastal Carolina, the most dramatic, uh, two games of my life, we, uh, of our lives, basically, we, uh, we were going to Omaha and it was just, we couldn't believe it. So when we got there and we visited the children's hospital and we were playing for our, you know, our fans, which I think are some of the most unbelievable fans in the world set down in South Carolina, Columbia. Um, it was just, it was just thrilling. So we just wanted to have fun. We didn't care about winning the, winning the college world series. Really. We just were happy we were there. Okay, Who Are You Nation? I am extremely honored to introduce our special guest today, Bobby Haney. Bobby, are you ready to put your game face on and join our team? Ready to go. Let's Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Bobby, I just gave a brief introduction about you, but please take a moment, introduce yourself, and let Who Are You Nation know what you're up to these days. Uh, My name is Bobby Haney. I'm uh, a young young kid from Long Island, New York, where uh, Craig Biggio grew up, almost a Hall of Famer for the MLB, and uh, me and Craig went to the same high school here at Kings Park High School, and uh, today I'm just getting myself ready for the next step, next level. I was part of the San Francisco Giants organization for the last four years, since 2010, and now I'm getting ready for my next uh, my next journey, basically, to play independent ball in Quebec, Canada. Fantastic. And, That's coming up soon, isn't it? Yes, sir, and uh, continue to uh, inspire young kids and uh the youth generation with uh, my book that I wrote after the College World Series uh, National Championship win, Kings Park, from Kings Park to Omaha. Very cool. Kings Park to Omaha. And is that available now? That is available now on my website at kp2omaha.com, the number two, kp2omaha.com. Great. And on Amazon as well. Sounds great. Now, you're not taking batting practice right now as we're talking, are you? Uh, no, yeah, I should be, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard bats clanking back there. Uh, <laughs> I just fell down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There we go. You know, you're enough around enough baseball. You tend to pick up all these things. So very cool, very cool. And then, and you played at South Carolina, correct? And won a World Series, which then sparked the book, of course, with along with a lot of other things. Yeah, so I was at South Carolina for uh, 2009, 2010 season, and we ended up winning the whole thing in uh, 2010 in Omaha. It was, uh, unbelievable experience i'll bet it was well we're going to dive into a lot of that as we move forward here but before we do bobby please do me a favor take us back and share with us a motivational or inspirational quote so far in your journey and how it's applied well the, the quote i uh, usually write in everyone's books or uh, tell the kids is just just pretty simple it's set your goals high and continue to dream big you know you got to have throughout your career or whatever in sports or throughout life you got to have goals and they got to be pretty high and um you just have to you always have to dream big if you're not if you're not dreaming then there's no point of, there's no point of waking up in the morning usually you just gotta you gotta stay positive and uh always set your continue to set your goals high and hopefully uh 
you know, one day you worked hard enough to achieve all of them. Yep. Fantastic. So now we're going to take you back to about 12 years old. So you wrote a book, so we can probably pick up a lot of this in our book, but in your book, I should say, but from uh, King, Kings Park, correct? Right. So I want to make sure I have this right. From Kings Park to Omaha. So take us back when you're about 12 years old and you got the Biggio sort of aura there in the high school and, and obviously you're a big baseball guy. What what was uh, what was it like growing up? And I, what I mean by that is in your house, at school, and then of course just having fun, hanging out in the neighborhood and playing sports. Oh, it was a blast. I mean, you had no worries. Your parents always gave you money, took you here, took you there. And, uh, you know, playing middle school baseball, me and my, me and my friends were always close and that was the only thing that mattered in our town was, was baseball, baseball, baseball. And then, uh, you know, as we got ready for high school baseball, you know, we never thought about making the varsity team. And uh, long story short, my coach brought me in freshman year into the office, and he said, we're going to keep you on varsity this year. We're going to take you on the varsity team. And the second game in, I was starting shortstop and, uh, for the next four years, and we just had a blast. You know, playing playing on the varsity for four years, and then my buddies joined me sophomore and junior year. We went eighteen and zero a couple of years, and uh, we're all, we're always supposed to win the national champ. I mean, the uh, the county and the Long Island championship at our at our high school. We were always favored, but never worked out the way we wanted to. But yeah, just uh, just the passion we had as young kids, and you know, those those are the best those are the best memories I feel like I've I've ever had. Better than better better than college even. Just being around my neighborhood and summers in New York summer ball in New York, playing for the Long Island Tigers and uh, you know, being around some some great friends and family. But I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah, no, that's really neat. I can hear a lot of nostalgia there as you as you speak and and do you have brothers or sisters? Yes, I have uh, one older brother and one younger brother on the middle. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. Fantastic. So how about a job? Did you have a job back then? You're in Long Island, you're playing a lot of ball, but any time for a job, or was there self-drive? And if so, what was your reflection back on as you look at it today? I think I only had like one job uh, growing up throughout, you know, high school and middle school, just working at a baseball academy for you know four or five months, That's... you know, two days a week or something like that. Basically, just just cleaning the place, not even giving lessons just yet because I was too young. But uh, you know, cleaning the place and uh, making sure everything was good, and running some birthday parties. You know, it was, it was a job, so that was, that, was about, that was about the only thing I really, really had. <laughs> well, we we share something in common, Bobby. I've run many a baseball birthday party in my life, <laughs> uh, having been in in the youth sports business for a while. Uh, and for I don't know, just it was fun. It was a lot of fun having the kids. First of all, any kid who wants to have a baseball birthday party, like I was in. You know, I mean that's just pure for the love of the game at that age. So, all right, well, moving on. So, so you're having some success, I'm guessing, in high school based upon making the team and then starting at shortstop. And it's time to, uh, I, I guess I would say, it's time to figure out well, what's next. Now, did you have the sense that college baseball at some point was always going to be in your future? If so, what was the process that went through your mind that ultimately led you to South Carolina? Oh, well, no, yeah, I definitely, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no question. I wasn't even thinking about, I was thinking about college, but I was also thinking about getting drafted in my senior year. Mm-hmm. Even though I was uh, I was six foot, 145 pounds, so I was, you know, I'm one of the lightest kids in all of America. Basically, <laughs> that plays baseball in his senior year. Right. Um, but uh, no, I told my dad when I was, you know, about a junior junior in high school, I was like, I can't take this anymore. This cold weather, six foot, 
six, seven months out of the year, eight months out of the year, and there's only four or five months of uh, spring and summer. It's too cold in New York. I gotta get out of here. I can't. I can't go to college up here. I gotta go down south. <laughs> so I was getting calls. My junior senior year, I was getting calls from Old Dominion, uh, Kentucky, Indiana, UConn, stuff like Marist. You know, you know, pretty much, pretty much schools that were not in the, you know, in the deep south, like Florida. I want to go to Texas or California. So we called up a junior college in Florida, and um, we asked them to come watch us play in a tournament down there in Fort Myers, perfect game tournament. Yep. So that worked out that worked out pretty good. I had a pretty good pretty good showing and the coach offered me a scholarship uh, right after the tournament was over basically. And um, went to junior college my first year my freshman year I sat the bench. Sophomore year I uh, I played and then South Carolina came out of nowhere. Literally came out of nowhere. I was just like I'd just like to replace our shortstop. Hmm. Uh, next year and uh, that was pretty much it wow that's a fascinating journey how do they i mean look everybody's got their ways it's not that it's a, it's a small world sometimes but how do they find you do you, do you ever ask uh south carolina the the pitching coach was there watching some pitchers and they also said take a look at that uh take a look at a shortstop down there too as well and i think it went like two for five with a couple of rbis and two strikeouts or three strikeouts actually and uh they came up to me with a Gamecock hat on when I was only getting recruited by one or two other schools, Division two schools. And he's like, how would you like to play for the Gamecocks and replace our $1.5 million shortstop? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and it's, it's, that's uh, not not a bad conversation to have. And so for the record, who who was it that you were replacing? Uh, Reese Havens. Yep. He was a first-round draft pick out of South Carolina, and he just retired last, last uh, this offseason with the Mets. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that's uh, you have some shoes to fill. You're moving on to junior college on now to uh, D1, big time baseball. Uh, we know where the story's heading into Omaha here. But what was that transition like for you? It was it was from uh, from junior college to, uh, to Division One baseball in the SEC. It was it was kind of big when I first got on the field, and I got a one hopper hit right at me off of, off the bat of. Uh, I'll say his name, my buddy Parker Banks, who was a DH slash pitcher, six foot six, you know, big old, big old country boy. The thing almost knocked me back off my off my heels at shortstop, and uh, I was like, I can't, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could play infield. Maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can hit a little bit, but I don't know if I could play infield here. These, these boys hit it too hard. But now you get used to it, you know. You just get used to things like anything else, and uh, you work harder each and every day. Yeah. And they had the best, they had the best playing playing surface in all the country, and they still do. So uh, they catered to us big time, and it was an honor to be in the lineup every single day and to be a starting shortstop in that new stadium down there in South Carolina. So, so you end up going to the College World Series, and something you'll treasure forever, of course, uh, no matter what level you would ever achieve. I mean, I've heard a lot of players even compare regular World Series, not to it, but it's just nice to have that under your belt. So not a lot of people get there. Um what was that? What was that experience like? You know, going in at, to the because it's a tournament, right? It's a tournament, and and you got to play a bunch of teams to get there, and then it's it's a process. So, what's happening there in your mind and the team's mind? Like, what made you guys champions? Let's 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 remove some of the athletics out of it, if you don't mind. Like, let's take some of the athletic talents out of it, because I'm guessing there's more to that than winning a national championship for you guys. So, what what was that like? What was the scene like on your team? Well, the goal is to, you know, the 300 teams in the country, the goal is to just, you know, get to Omaha. Yeah. That, that's, that's already a win-win. That's already a win. 
for the university, for the fans, you know, for for your family and friends. It's just it's just to be just to be in Omaha. So after we won that Super Regional in Coastal Carolina, the tr- most dramatic uh, two games of my life, we uh, of our lives basically, we uh, we were going to Omaha, and it was just we couldn't believe it. So when we got there and we visited the Children's Hospital, and we were playing for our you know our fans, which I think are some of the most unbelievable fans in the world, except down in South Carolina, Columbia. Um, it was just, it was just thrilling. So we just wanted to have fun. We didn't care about winning the, winning the College World Series, really. We just we were happy we were there. We were appreciating the moment and, uh, you know, all the, all the camaraderie, the venues, you know, all the, the cameras and the ESPN and all that stuff. We were just, we weren't taken away by it, but we were, we were appreciating it. We were, we're, we're having a fun, we're having fun with it. And, uh, it was a good time. We had a, we had we had so much to play for. A young boy by the name of Baylor Teal, who's in my book as well, passed away. He's a huge Gamecock fan, eight or nine years old, and uh, he was a big part of our community. And he passed away the night before uh, we beat UCLA in the College World Series, the championship. So hmm. you know, it was a very emotional time for you know our coaching staff and our friends and family. And Baylor's parents were out there in Omaha. You know, raising the trophy with us as well. Oh, wow. So, you know, it was a big, it was a big, it was a big, it was a big deal for, at least for our state. But um, yeah, we really, we played hard. We were the, we were the scrappy rednecks from South Carolina playing the pretty boys from UCLA. I like to call it. <laughs> uh, we got the job done. We had a lot of things go our way. You know, that final game, and great players like you know Jackie Bradley Jr. on the team as well. Yeah, yeah. leading us, and you know Whit Merrifield and scrappy guys like me and Scott Wingo at the bottom of the lineup, but. You know, we had all we had all the right recipe and the and the great pitching too. So, but it was a good it was a good time. It was a great ride, and uh, you know, good time in history. I love that uh, one of the first things you said. We were just in the moment. We're we're in the moment. We're having fun. We're there. That was the goal. And uh, a lot of teams, as you know, you've been on a lot of teams. You get there and you get tight. You can start thinking about well, we gotta win. And that is, in my experience at least, the first sign of uh, well, now you're playing not to lose, and now we're in trouble. And I think you see that a lot in tournaments. And it's very nice to hear that that was your attitude and the team's attitude, as you so uh, graciously put it, and as well as the state and the school and. Uh, you guys were representing a lot of people. Go have fun. Go have some great fun. And and what a uh, uh, I mean I didn't I didn't live it, but but Baylor, having Baylor there, uh, Ted, was it Ted Baylor you mentioned? Uh, Baylor Teal. Baylor Teal. I'm sorry. So having Baylor Teal there, uh, you know, and unfortunately, but uh, but at least a way to I guess celebrate his life in a lot of ways. I mean, you were you were there. I wasn't. Uh, what a what an interesting part of the whole dynamic of what sports really is and how it can complement, you know, <laughs> our emotions in so many different ways. So that's a special story, special story, Bobby. So you walk away, College World Series, uh, feeling, I mean, high as a kite, just great stuff. And now what's next? What's next is, uh, you know, professional baseball, which is uh, almost a demotion, <laughs> The way things are going on in South Carolina, when you get new batting gloves and new bats every, uh, you know, on demand, and then you got to pay for your batting gloves once you get the Pro Bowl, unless you got an agent. But uh, no, it was great to come in at the end of uh, July, I believe, when I signed with the Giants after the World Series over, playing in the Arizona League, and uh, next year going to Augusta, 
and the last two years I spent in San Jose, California. But uh, no, the wood bat is definitely definitely a little bit of a big difference, and, uh, and the pitchers are pitchers are the velocity of the pitching is a lot better, and um, the competition is is crazy because you're not just dealing with kids in the in the in the U.S. anymore. They sign kids from you know Japan, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, and so on. You know, mm-hmm. so. But uh, no, definitely, definitely a different world. But uh, college experience definitely prepares you, gets you more mentally prepared for uh, professional baseball rather than signing a contract to play at the pro team at a high school. Yeah, it's interesting. You uh, interesting you say that. We were we were talking before the show. A common friend of ours, Danny Holton, who you know now, and I used to coach him when he was a little toddler at ten years old, and signed by Seattle. I think it was the number two or three pick overall. Um, a couple of years ago in the first round. And he had the opportunity to go straight to the pros. He was hard, hard throwing lefty. And he decided, he and his family, that it was just not even close to a decision. He was going to go and compete for four years in college baseball. And it, it sounds like that you're a big believer in that as well. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, the experience and, uh, I wouldn't have been able to meet all these, you know, great people and the coaching staff and all the connections. And I have, I know people down in Florida and I know people down in South Carolina. And um, you know, it just it, get, it gets you ready, it gets you more mature as a as a as a human being, and uh, let you let you speak to the kids a little bit more. Get you get you ready for the real world, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just uh, I just I just know so many more people, you know, going to junior college in Florida and then South Carolina. But uh, I keep a strong relationship with both with both both universities. I mean, uh, Manatee Community College is a four-year school now, so it's a state state school. But um, yeah, I got good strong relationships with them and uh, the people at South Carolina. So I definitely, unless you're getting you know life-changing money, you know big life-changing money at a high school, I recommend uh, you know all the all the kids to you know go to college. Get your education. Get at least three years under your belt, and then you can go in the draft. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, just look, just look what happened to us. And I wrote the book now, and I wasn't even into, I wasn't even into school really. And now I wrote a book, and people can't believe it. And it's, the book's about, you know, our run, our experience, and you know, meeting great people and playing for, playing for a great city and fans. So yeah, yeah, no, that's good, really good. So I'm gonna switch topics for a second to challenges, choices, things that may not be going our way, and how we adjust to it. So. We have uh, we talk a lot about the show about the, the choices you make every day build a foundation of who you are and most of them are just small little choices here but there's a few that are pretty big ones and those really shape those uh, that who you are and the DNA of of, of what you're going to be as you continue to mature. It, do you have a story to share with us, uh, Bobby, about when there was a difficult choice, uh, a defining moment almost, when you were in a situation where you had to make a choice, albeit risky at the time, uh, and you chose that decision. What was that? Um, well, I think I think mostly just getting just getting offered from all these schools up here in uh, you know, the Northeast area and seeing if I wanted to uh, take that plunge and go all the way down south, away from my family and my parents. Who I've been with for 17 years, 18 years of my life. But um, yeah, I mean that's the decisions you you just gotta dig deep for, and you know find out who you really are. You know, do you want to do you want to do you want to go away? Do you want to meet new people? Do you want to you want to get far away as possible, or 
you want to go where things are going to happen, which I thought things were going to happen way more down in the South, which they did because everybody plays baseball all year round in Florida. And, um, ended up going to Florida junior college, playing every single day, more competitive baseball down there. because everybody plays all year round and, uh, South Carolina, you know, apparently they love picking up Juco guys cause they're ready to go. They're ready to go right out of uh, that two year school. They're mm-hmm. ready to go junior and senior year to win a championship. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely one of the big decisions, you know, being 17, 17 year old kid, not 18 till August. So the first semester, you know, going all the way down to Florida, which I really didn't know too many people down there, but, uh, you know, you fall in a place, you meet friends, you know, you, you create relationships. I was a quiet young kid, 12, 13 years old, you know, never liked talking on the phone with anybody. And then one sixteen, seventeen hit when I was driving and everything, I just came out of my shell and now I can't stop talking. But, uh, <laughs> So I'm, um, that's I believe in that. I'm not a big believer in, uh, you know, having a structured, having a structured way of life and doing things, you know, in a, in a, you know, in the correct way that everyone wants you to do them. I'm, I'm more a believer in, you know, networking and social media and, you know, getting out there and talking to people and find out who the real people are and, uh, you know, just creating strong relationships, basically. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about relationships now, this day and age, basically. So, yeah, you're yeah, so but, right. You're so right, and had a great opportunity to do so playing. You played four years in minor league baseball, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Four years, okay, and then you're heading off to Quebec. So, no, and a lot of opportunities there. Some, some on the team, some coaches. So, I'm going to ask you. You have a lot of coaches, obviously, when you're in the minor leagues and you're and you're going up or down, depending upon what the status is. You're going to have a new coach here in a couple of weeks, you know, in Quebec. What would you say is the most, uh, from a player's perspective? the most effective uh, way to lead players based upon what you've experienced through these, through these various coaches all these years? The effective way to lead players is, uh, you know, just respecting each other. I think big, big, uh, if you, if you respect me as a player, I respect you as a coach. We're at that age now where, um, you don't have to be yelling at us and telling us what to do every second of the day, but you know, just respect really just respecting each other and, uh, winning. Winning, I love to win. You know, I hate to lose. No one likes to lose, really. But I love, you know, I hate to lose more than I love to win. So mm-hmm. that makes, yeah, like you know, just watching, just watching Derek Jeter grow up and stuff like that, and hearing him talk about winning. I think, I think it's important for starts with the coach. You know, if he respects all the players and you know wants to win more than anything in the world. Then, then we'll follow his lead. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good stuff. So four years. Any setbacks during those four years? Did it go as planned? Uh, any bumps in the road? Walk us through a four-year career in minor league baseball, if you don't mind. Uh, there's 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 so many bumps that uh, that's in my second book. <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> there's so many bumps I can't even, I can't even uh, fathom right now. But uh, obviously, there's you know there's going to be injuries. I was I was pretty healthy throughout my you know career so far. And uh, still, still pretty healthy. I had some shoulder setbacks in college, but uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good health-wise. But um, just from a you know political standpoint, there's you know there's guys that there's guys at the top of the organization that make you know make their decisions and make their minds up, and uh, people don't agree with those those decisions really. And uh, that's life, you know. That's just the way it goes. So that's always a big factor in dealing with it. But you know, the bus rides we don't take planes for so the bus rides, and uh, you know the clubhouses. Or just the bathrooms are overflowing with stuff, and you gotta be in that clubhouse for four days. And the hotels don't even have sometimes the days in hotels don't even have sheets on them in Virginia or Augusta, Georgia, or whether it's Lancaster, 
California or high desert California, no places to eat. It's just it goes on and on about minor league ball. So mm-hmm. people think, you know, you're living the high life playing professional baseball. But uh until you get to triple A in the big leagues, you're uh you're living a pretty downgraded life. But uh it's still 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 living the dream, still still chasing after the dream, which is which is fun. Now what are your expectations heading off to Quebec and that experience? Just uh, you know, have a good year. It's a fun city. I heard great things about the Can Am League. Uh our team our team, the Capitals, Quebec Capitals have won the championship the last couple of years, I've heard. But uh not the gorgeous city and uh hopefully have a good year and get hopefully get invited to a spring training uh next year with a you know, minor league team or affiliate. So yep. see what happens. Yeah. No. Well I wish you the best there. And is their season just getting started? How does that work out? We start up on May twenty second, I believe. Okay. And you'll play how many games? Play a hundred games. Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, enjoy that experience as I you always have from what you've told me so far. Every part of the way, enjoy the experience. It sounds sounds really good. Now let's let's go into the book for a second. So it's not normal that uh, I should say it's not normal. That's not fair. But it's it's a little unusual to know that somebody who's kind of come out of college and just getting right into the minor leagues there uh, after a few years writes a book. And, and writes a book the, about their experiences. What was the uh, impetus, I should say? What was that defining moment of, I'm going to write a book, and this is what I'm going to write about? And how long did it take? What were the journeys you had to go through to put it together? Talk to us. Well, I mean, like I said before, uh, you know, the inspiration came from the national championship, winning it all, and uh, the young boy, Bader Teal, that passed away. And, uh, you know, it was, it was almost like he was playing with us you know, that championship game, that second and final game. Balls are going through guys' legs. We were getting check swing doubles down the line. It was just like it was like it was like it was like angels in the outfield basically. <laughs> he was watching over us. It, it sounds a little silly, but no, he was he was there watching over us that game and uh things were just going our way and we were we we're beating number one pitcher in the world, Garrett Cole. You know Garrett Cole on the Pittsburgh Pirates now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh we couldn't believe what was going on and we had to we had to make sure it ended that day because Trevor Bauer was pitching the next the next game the next day so we didn't think we had a chance but uh we ended it and uh no it was just it was inspirational and um we uh, it, was, it was a great story but the things to go through to write the book I picked it up started writing it probably uh probably in September October of uh 2010 and uh I couldn't do it anymore. I put it back down. I could. I just couldn't write anymore. I was getting. I was getting too. I was getting too crazy. I just couldn't. I couldn't write anymore. So, next year, I think 2011, I picked it back up, and uh, I, I really started working at hard, and uh, I had to call the NCAA, make sure I get their permission of holding the trophy in the book. Uh, you know, University of South Carolina had to call them for the logo, permission for the logo, stuff like that. That pictures in the book, but uh, it was definitely it was a hassle. You know, it took weeks to you know a couple, probably about overall like four to five months to get it all done, and uh, you know write it. But uh, that was a great, it's a great experience. Obviously, there's a lot of bumps in the road with uh with everything. There is a lot of bumps in the road. You know, it's not easy doing anything, but got it done. And uh, when that first copy came to my house, that first copy of my book. It was like it was literally like I was a six-year-old or seven-year-old on Christmas Day. Like it was, it was an unbelievable feeling to know that you know someone who never really liked studying throughout high school and college, you know, 
I finished writing his book. So <laughs> but it was just for, you know, and it's, hopefully it inspires, you know, all the kids all over America. And it has already, but uh, hopefully it continues to inspire, uh, to inspire. That's great. That's great. I can only imagine opening that up and seeing your name, seeing the book, what you put so much time into, and, of course, experience the whole thing. So you say you work a lot with kids. What what exactly do you do? What's your message? How has it evolved over the last few years as you continue to you know, get more experience yourself and mature? Well, we'll just um, – usually I'll do some baseball camps in the offseason and uh, some baseball lessons with uh, the kids in New York and – Mostly all the kids in South Carolina, but I usually uh, now I'm going to do a couple speakings at places and promoting the book. You know, letting the kids buy the book and read the book, and uh, you know, hopefully following following the footsteps. You know, the college footsteps that I took, and the uh, you know, the winning the winning way, teaching them how to win and teaching them how to grow up and be a role model as well. Yeah, or listening listening to your parents. You know, staying in school, doing your homework. And respecting your, you know, your coaches and your family. But uh, I, had a, I have a great, unbelievable support system here in New York. With, uh, you know, all, all 18 of us, you know, my relatives, we hang, we're, we're together every Sunday having a pasta, Italian, Italian dinner. <laughs> um, but you know, we're very close, and uh, they're a big part of my life, and a big part of why, you know, I've, uh, I've achieved what I've achieved today. So, it's important. Yeah, always, always important to have that support system. Very cool. All right, communication. We're going to speak about communication. Again, you've been around a lot of uh, teammates, coaches, um, parents even. I mean, your own, of course, and those others. But communication is so important. You could take this in either one of two directions, uh, Bobby. One would be, were you ever on the uh, receiving end of miscommunication? If so, what was that experience like and, and, and when it boiled down to it, how could it have been resolved? Uh, the second thing is... Uh, could you provide some tidbits on communication? And you could take it either way, but based on your experience, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in uh, you know not holding any grudges. If you're you know miscommunicating with somebody, or you know you're mad at somebody on your team, or you're mad at somebody in class, or you're, even your friends or your family. Right, right now, I just just get out in the open. Just, just, just speak to speak to who you're ever having a problem with. Really, you know. Yeah. Um, just, just get out in the open and uh, speak to them. What's your problem? What's, what's, what's the problem that I'm having with you, or uh, you know, a teammate or a coach, whatever? Go up to them and speak to them. Don't hide it. Don't hold it in. Um, make sure everybody knows what's going on. And uh, I'm not a. I don't. I don't. I don't hide anything. I, don't, I have nothing to hide. We're only on this. We're not. We're only on this earth for you know a certain amount of time. You know. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing to hide. I don't got anything to hide. Really. I'm not embarrassed of anything anymore. But. Uh, you know, especially everything's out there in the open anyway on news and on ESPN and the internet and everything. But yeah, just you know, just 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 talk to people, sit people down and, and talk to them. You know, see what they're feeling. Almost like a uh, you know a doctor, talk to them or you know see what's going on in their mind and uh, whatever app, whatever you can do, get a result. Yeah, you know? that's much all I can say, really. No, and it's good. It's short, sweet, to the point, and it tends to be that way if we can get our mind going in that direction. So it is. It is really good feedback and advice for all of us. Now, where did this all come from? You, you, I, I, I got to compliment you. I mean, I've had a lot of people on the show, and 
I know there's others out there, of course, like you, you know, but, but you have a drive. You have a certain drive. Again, not everybody writes a book. Not everybody goes to junior college and then goes and plays in South Carolina. Not everybody is going to go after four years and go up to Quebec. Not everybody goes out and works with kids. Where's this drive come from? Is it, is it family related? Is it is just a, an inner burning spirit within? What is it? I think it's definitely a little, uh, little bit of both, definitely from my family. Uh, you know, my parents are very, you know, social people, great people. Um, but no, I just, I enjoy, uh, I want to be the best in everything I do, whether it's, you know, basketball in the middle school when I got cut from the team or, uh, you know, obviously baseball, I wanted to be the best. And I was until, you know, I got to, you know, division one and pro ball and you get, you know, you got guys the same, same speed as you, but I always want to be the best, whether, you know, I'm writing a book or, you know out with my friends, you know, you know, making sure they're having a good time. But I'm big on, I'm definitely big on, like I said before, creating relationships and meeting new people. Just seeing what they have to, they have to offer, they have, what they have to say about life. Yeah. Because, you know, getting older, obviously being 16, 17, I wasn't worried about anything, really. Even in college, when I was 20, I wasn't worried about anything. But now taking on more responsibility and knowing what, what things cost and, you know, how to, how to get things done. You know, you want to, you want to meet more people. More people you know, the better I feel. The more the merrier. That's what I always say, you know, famous quote. But I mean, it's true. I mean, I love being around people. I think I think I have like a sickness. No, I need. I always need to be, you know, around around people. I love being around people, and uh, you know, seeing what they have to say about about what they're doing about life as well. So. Yeah. Well, we are human beings, and it's a trait, common trait of all of us. We like to be around. Other humans were social social uh, mammals, so to say. <laughs> so nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. All right, moving on here into a couple of last parts of our show. We have our timeout as well as our overtime session. And in a timeout, what I'd like to say is when when was a situation where you had to – it could be playing, it could be outside of playing, it could be off the field or on the field – uh, timeouts are called either to formulate a plan, but really to step back and take an evaluation of what's going on and, and basically reverse the situation. And my question for you is, uh, what was the last time when you had to take your own timeout, really reflect upon what was happening and then reverse the situation? And how did it turn out for you? Um, after my junior year at, at South Carolina, which is everybody's draft year, basically, um, it's an important year because you want to get drafted. You want to get out of school. You know, you want to get a little bit of money and sign. And uh, usually a lot of guys do. So I had a decent year, junior year, South Carolina. Played pretty well. Hit, hit over 300 in the SEC. Hit like 290, 295 for the year overall. Had a couple of home runs and played good defense. But we uh, we went to a uh, – no, I was, having, I was having problems with my shoulder. Sorry, I was having problems with my shoulder. And um, – I think I think get drafted really because I was going to have surgery, mm-hmm. and that could have been that could have been one of the reasons why I don't know the scouts might not draft me because they heard I was having surgery. I don't know, but uh, you know, I was kind of I was kind of devastated to you know go another year South Carolina because I wanted to leave junior year and uh, you know start my career because I was only 20 years old, so it would have been it would have been good to start nice and early. But things didn't work out the way I wanted. Didn't get drafted, and I was kind of I was kind of devastated. I was hurt, but. Um, and I was having surgery as well, and I thought my career was over and my shoulder was hurting. But I tried to take a step back, basically, and, you know, look at the big picture and say, I'm going to my senior year, I'm going to be healthy, you know, going to have a great year. We'll see what happens. 
But then the year started off miserable. I was hitting a, like probably a buck eighty-five, a buck ninety, twenty games in. Hmm. We were losing. Things weren't going the right way, and we, uh, me and my my buddy was the captain at the time, the catcher, and uh, you know we had to just get our minds right and take a step back and you know get the team together and just think about one thing, and that's winning. Coming together as a team, and that's the only way you can win is to come together as a team. Yeah. And uh, you know win baseball games, and the next thing you know, you know we're standing on the we're standing on top of Rosenblatt Stadium on the statue in front of ESPN cameras, you know, in front of the whole world raising the trophy up. You know? Yeah. So that was, I don't know, it was just, uh, even, even even guys who have been in the big leagues say that, you know, being in Omaha is sometimes, is sometimes a better feeling than being than catching a major league baseball game. So Yeah. But, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Just something very uh, organic about it. And what a neat experience. What a great experience. Forever treasured. All right, I'm going to go into overtime here, uh, Bobby. And overtime, I'd like to have a little fun, ask you some questions we can learn from you. Number one is, do you have a personal, healthy, constructive habit you do on a daily basis that we could learn from? Um, I usually just have uh, you know a couple eggs in the morning. <laughs> yeah, okay. Scrambled, over easy? Uh, usually scrambled, over easy. I'm not, not, too, uh, not talented enough to make over easy eggs. <laughs> you can always try like I did and almost burn the stove down, but... It's uh, that's yeah, a whole different story. <laughs> definitely, definitely some eggs and uh, you know, a, a, a bottle of muscle milk, you know, a little twenty ounce thing of muscle milk a day will uh, yep. make you feel. But a lot of milk, always, always drinking a lot of milk, milk and water, milk and water. Nothing wrong with hydration. Good stuff. All right, so you could relate to this, and I'm curious. You probably even had one at South Carolina, but if you had to pick today's walk up song, so you're the batter coming up to the plate. What's your walk-up song to get you in the right mindset? Uh, and if you had a couple, I'd love to hear about them. Uh, I think some guys like to use country because it relaxes you, even though it, it, really, it usually does. But uh, I think some kind of some kind of anything any kind of rap song really kind of gets you like a little bit pumped up. Mm-hmm. But then again, some great hitters use country because it doesn't get them amped up. Just gets them relaxed in the box. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'd probably go with uh, I don't know maybe a little Luke Bryan. Something like that. Yep. A Luke Bryan country song for there a while. <laughs> it's a key part of the game. I've, I've even heard the big leagues. There's some little arguments going on between the PR uh, uh, person in charge of PR director and then the players. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, the player wants one thing and everybody else is uh, in the PR like, no, 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 no. This is this is a better <laughs> song. And the things we shouldn't be worrying about. <laughs> but uh, important, of course, to the player. Uh, how about a favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, favorite sports movie would have to be either um, For the Love of the Game. Great movie. Or, yeah, or um, I guess Major League is always a good one, too. Yeah. Major League is a funny one, too. But yeah. uh, Invincible with, uh, with uh, I think it's uh, Wahlberg. Yep. Football. That's a good movie, too, because, you know, he's fighting for his dreams still. Yep. At the pro level, which is it's just really not easy at all. It really isn't. So. No, nope, not at all. In fact, earlier today, I had the opportunity to interview Rudy, the real Rudy. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. how about that? And I uh, I had to ask him this question, and his answer was invincible. He loved that movie. Uh, Field of Dreams, too, he said. But anyway, Invincible, is a, it's, a, it's an underrated movie. Not a lot of people have even, I think, heard of it, to be honest. It, it kind of came and went in the theater, so that... 
is 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 really a fantastic movie. And then for love of the game, completely underrated. I absolutely love that movie. Could watch right. it over and over again. I don't know what it is. I, I just I really I don't know what it is. I think it's so much of the self reflection and the stay in the zone and, and whatever Cosser is telling himself before each pitch. Just good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. So how about a book? Uh, I know you have your book coming out, and but right now, what, what's a book that you would pick up and maybe pack with you to Quebec that you like to read? Or one that you could recommend to Who Are You Nation? Uh, it's simple. I've only read one book in my life, and that's uh, The Life You Imagine by Derek Jeter. There, there we go. Uh, you just keep reading one. it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. Um, but yeah, it was just that's what I modeled my book after. There you, you know, go. Me and my dad modeled the book after, and you know, following. If you, follow, if you try to follow in Derek Jeter's footsteps, I mean, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a pretty much a successful mindset or a successful life as well. So. But, well, I'm gonna challenge you on that for a second. What is it about Derek Jeter? You think in your mind, what what makes him so successful? Growing up in New York, just. I mean, not hearing anything bad about him, you know, we, we, the, the papers in New York here in Long Island, we blow everything up out of proportion, you know, whatever A-Rod's doing or whatever, whoever else is doing, you know, <laughs> um, just, it just gets out of hand and Derek Jeter never lands on the cover of anything. Yeah. And you know, he, you know, he likes that fun and goes out all the time and he just never gets caught. He does things the right way. He, uh, he's a very classy guy. I've heard stories from people who know him and I could be hearsay, but he just, he does everything the right way, and that comes from, you know, his parents, basically. You know, dealing with the black and white, you know, race growing up. His parents, you know, his parents both being black and white. Um, it was just, he went through a tough childhood, and it's about that. It, it, it expresses that in his book. And, uh, you know, he's been through a lot as well, but he carried himself a tremendous way. Yeah. And he's a great success, obviously. So. Yeah. No, most definitely. And I've noticed as well from one of the HBO documentaries came out a couple of years ago, just surrounds himself with really solid people, which I found professional athletes occasionally have a hard time with that. Um, that's just my 50,000 foot view because I'm not going to give you examples or could give you examples, but I did recognize in that, in that uh, HBO documentary of just a solid foundation around him. And that's that's part of life. You gotta get those people around you. Just like you said earlier, you gotta keep meeting new people. Figure out how they're gonna play into your life. So all right, you're the uh you're the guest of Who Are You? Sorry, you're the host of Who Are You? Life Lessons of Sports, Bobby. I just gave you the microphone. Who's the first person you're gonna interview and why? And I, I almost could guess this one by this point. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I'd love to hang out with um Derek Jeter, obviously interview him, but also <laughs> I'm a big fan of Will Smith, too. I like Will Smith. I think, you know, he's been through a lot, too, yeah. uh, throughout his life. And then he's he's one of the most successful actors. You know, three, four, or five years ago, he was making two movies a year, three movies a year, and he's just unbelievable. He's funny. You know, I like to I, – I do impressions. I like to do impressions of him or, you know, actors just like he does. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind being an actor one day either like him. But, uh, yeah, I, I would – I like to interview Will Smith as well. Yeah, well, Bobby, you just made the biggest mistake on our show of saying that you do impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh no! You you, you got to just get in the zone, man. You're you're up at the plate. You got to give us an impersonation. Yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't really do too many famous people. I just do the guys who are on my team and the organization, the Giants organization, usually. So. Oh, okay. So so we're we're we're, reta- we're retracting that statement about Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> 
Can't put me on the spot right now. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. We won't tell Quebec. I'm not telling Quebec. No, that's good. That's good. No, great, great actor. And of course, I grew up with him in the back in the days when he was, you know, the happy-go-lucky rap star. Just all such funny songs that I can still remember. I could re- recite almost every word of some of those. Nightmare on My Street or Elm Street, whatever the heck it was actually called. Parents just don't understand. And then, yeah, it turned into a, such a successful career. So, yeah, you got yourself two wonderful guests right there to come on to the show. Very yeah, and even Jennifer Lopez as well, too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, you know, interviewing her. She's obviously a huge crush on her my whole life. And <laughs> her to be an actress, you know, an artist, a singer, and, you know, a uh, whatever, songwriter as well. Everything, basically. So oh, yeah. Yeah. tremendous well, and comes from the Bronx here in New York too as well so. yep she's big time definitely and I forgot Will played Muhammad Ali in, in that yep. story so that's actually an interesting point very good point alright how about a uh, charity or foundation one that either you contribute to you support you acknowledge something that just means something to you I know you're still getting your career going here and uh, but uh, how do you give back well, we do uh, I usually give back to the kids you know in the off season you know helping out uh, speaking to them, but uh, this foundation I pretty much work with and donate to whoever wants to donate as well. It's called uh, Protect Sports Foundation. Hmm. dot dot org. Okay. Yeah, Protect Sports uh, Protect Sports Foundation. Okay. So that's uh, basically it's a foundation where people donate money, and we uh, pretty much give the kids the money. Get the kids who can't afford to play organized baseball or organized sports and put them into a league where, you know, you get them off the streets and you, uh, you know, put them into organized sports. It's great. Organized baseball or whatever. So, you know, it's great for the kids who, who are less fortunate than ours. And, uh, yeah, it's giving back that way too as well. Continue to work on that and continue to get that foundation bigger as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Bobby, how can we communicate with you? If we want to follow you along your journey here, <clears throat> I know that uh, I know you have some great things coming up. Whether it's going on and, and professionally into baseball, or honestly, who knows? You mentioned a lot of different things in this interview, and I have no doubt in my mind that what you put your mind to, you're going to get. So, how, how do we follow your progress, communicate with you, and maybe learn more? Yeah, to learn more is uh, you know you can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Bobby Haney23 on Twitter. And then you could also look me up. I'm always putting up, uh, you know, pictures and, uh, you know, selfie videos on uh, Instagram as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can, so you can follow me on there. I'm, uh, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty entertaining on uh, Instagram as well. So if well, you want to follow me. There you go. That's where we'll go for our impersonations. pressure's on pressure's on well listen i do have one last question for you bobby but before i do i just want to say it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on today it's just really a neat story uh and 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 epitomize it's just a it's a nice representation of what we're trying to do here on this show the life lessons of sports it's uh you have a incredible ability at a young age and and i mean this through your journey to sort of step back, be in the moment, and really think about what's important. And if all of those things fall in a line, then actually true to the movie, uh, for love of the game, actually, to uh, bring it forward to what you said, it, it all it all sort of works out, you know? And you've maintained a sense of calm, at least in this interview, the way you portray it. So I just want to congratulate you on your success to date. You have a lot of great things ahead of you, and I think you know that. So stay smart like Derek Jeter has, and, and uh, you know, don't get... I don't want to see you on the front page of the New York Post anytime soon. But other than that, my friend, it's been an honor to have you on. I'm welcoming you to another 
another team. So I don't know if Quebec has to get the uh, waivers from me here, but uh, you are officially been inducted into Who Are You Nation. Personally, welcome you to the team, and congratulations. Thank you very much, bro. I appreciate it, man. You got it. Now, I did have one last question, and this is the part of the show all our listeners know. We go behind the scenes, and I'd like to ask if we were to close the door – and sit down in the locker room, have one last conversation. This is a conversation that, that if people don't ask you, you're just not going to tell, but it's a unique one, it's interesting, and it's one that people would like to hear. Bobby, can you care share one last story with us, please? Yeah, he, uh, he definitely built our spirits up and uh, you know, made us play for just more than, more than baseball and love of the game. You know, play for him, play for you know, all the fans that, you know, just – just pour, pour so much into our university, and uh, they're behind us every step of the way. But Baylor, you know, definitely, definitely has a Gamecock championship ring around his finger up in heaven right now, which is pretty cool. So. Who are you, Nation? Our guest is ready to go inside the locker room. Are you? Gain exclusive access to the story as well as those from all of our guests. Visit whoareyousports.com where there is a page dedicated especially for all of our listeners at Who Are You Nation. Until next time, please remember both in sports and in life that it's not all about the scoreboard so much as it is about our dedication to becoming a better teammate, healthier person, and adopting an efforts over results mindset.